CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now on OA, though the markets logged a third week of losses, the retail sector is still faring better by comparison. And another set of telling quarterly results is on deck next week, and we're making a laundry list of picks. Not much better news in tech, but instead focusing on Magnificent Seven tonight, we're looking at the ordinary others for opportunity and have two names that could break out of their shells. Finally, our latest deer trade got caught in some headlights, but we'll help you see the forest for the trees and manage through. I'm Courtney Reagan in this evening for Melissa Lee. This is Options Action, live from the NASDAQ market site. On the dust tonight, we have Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Brian Stutland. So let's get right to it. Another slew of retail names set to report earnings next week, including Lowe's, Macy's, Nordstrom, and Dollar Tree. And then there are these two additional names, Kohl's and Dick's Sporting Goods. While their ticker symbols are separated by just one different letter, their price action couldn't be more dissimilar. However, Carterworth believes one is about to turn a corner and the other will keep on heading in the same direction. So Carter, which is which? Right. So uh, we're getting to the end of earnings season. Of course, as always, it's retail, big uh, names that bring up the rear. Uh, And so banks lead, retailers end it. And what we're going to do today is look at uh, one name that's um, basically been very, very strong and one name that's been a real lagger. And I think each is an opportunity because of that circumstance. So let's get right to the charts. Uh, What we're going to see is uh, three identical charts, Kohl's first. Now, this is the laggard. Look, it's almost at its COVID low. No drawings, no annotations. Let's put some lines in. So the first thing my eye sees is we have uh, the makings of a double bottom. Um, And then the second of three, we have a downtrend line, and we've moved above the downtrend line, in effect, for the past 12 months. The arrow is a judgment. That's my conclusion. I think you want to be long going into earnings. Now, at the opposite end, take a look at DICS. DKS, the first chart, it's at all-time highs. Now, the annotations, I think, are as follows. First iteration, you can call it a cup and handle. What it is is a stock that got to a former high, backed away, and is now reapproaching it. You can also draw the lines this way, converging trend lines, setting up for a presumptive breakout. Either way, the premise is a laggard uh, that has an opportunity as a catch-up trade, and Dick's, as opposed to Kohl's, a strong stock setting up for a presumptive breakout to new highs. Okay. Well, now that we have the setup, let's trade both of these names. Mike, you're up first, and you want to give us a way to play Kohl's. Yeah, Kohl's, uh, interesting case. So just first things first, the the options market's implying a pretty big move here, nearly 11% off of earnings, which is significantly higher than the 6% or so that the company has averaged over the last eight reported quarters. So let's just take a look at some of the fundamentals here. So companies trading uh, a little less than 12 times the full year earnings estimates, which Um, puts it at a slight premium to retail stores like Nordstrom's and Macy's, but a significant discount to stores like TJX. Now, uh, we talked a lot about retail last week, TJX, Target, Walmart, uh, all holdings of ours, as is uh, Lowe's, I should add, which is going to be reporting next week. 
Uh, Kohl's is also partnering with Sephora, and I'm going to mention that because Ulta, you know, Sephora is a privately held company, but Ulta is trading probably 17 times earnings. So, you know, depending on how you look at this, if they continue to manage their inventory as well, which they have done, uh, you know, the company might be reasonably cheap. Now, on the downside, I will add that over the course of the last couple of months, they have added some debt. And this is in an environment where debt is not cheap, and it's definitely not cheap for Kohl's. I think their 10-year paper is yielding over 11%. So, uh, tough situation when you have a flat top line and you're borrowing money at 11%. That said, I think there is a bit of an opportunity here based on those valuations things that I mentioned. And if management does manage to execute, we can use a call spread risk reversal to take advantage of you know these elevated premiums that we're seeing. And so I'm looking out to the September 22 weeklies. Why am I looking out to the weeklies? Well, the regular expiration actually has two and a half dollar strike. So that means it goes 25, 27 and a half, 30 and so on. So that's very nearly 10 percent of the current stock price. The weekly options, on the other hand, have much tighter strikes. So you can choose your strategy with greater precision. And the idea here was that I want to get that 10 percent upside, uh, basically, you know, participation and minimize if we get that 10 percent move to the downside. And that trade you can put on for very close to even at the prices I was looking at uh, around the close today, about 22 cents to put that trade on. Obviously, your mileage is going to vary a little bit when we come in on Monday, depending on where the stock opens and where falls are. But that's really the objective when you're trying to set these strategies up. Get that 10 to 12 percent upside. Avoid the 10 to 12 percent downside move if that's what happens. Hmm. OK, so, Brian, what's your take then on Mike's trade here for Kohl's? Well, it's kind of interesting because there's so many simil similarities between Kohl's and I'll give a trade on Dix. It's fairly similar. I like the risk reversal trade. The reason being, Kohl's, they're implying fairly significant move here after earnings, and we haven't seen quite the move that option traders are predicting will happen. So to me, it's some opportunity sort of to sell what I like to call wings. You, you kind of sell the very low downside strike or you sell a very high upside strike, and that's what he's doing when you buy a call spread and you finance that by selling a downside put. We option traders like to call that selling wings, and so I really like the structure of the trade, the play on it, the technicals line up really well, and the valuation, it's sort of been unfairly beaten for Kohl's, and I think there's some upside here for the stock. Hmm. Okay, Brian, so you kind of teased it, but you're taking on our second name with Dick Sporting Goods. How are you trading this one? Yeah, Dick's, I mean, very similar circumstances, both, you know, apparels, Kohl's, Dick's. Obviously, Dick's more in the sporting goods area, and, you know, it seems like with fall sports coming up, although it seems like sports run year-round these days. If you include travel programs, if you have any kids in there, we know how expensive that gets and how much equipment is constantly being purchased. But Dick's here, like Carter mentioned, is a stock that's been trading near all-time highs. If I'm going to play consumer discretionary at this point, we see interest rates now, the 10-year at 4.25%. So obviously some nervousness about how the consumer can hold up. But if you look at it, the biggest names and the U.S.-centric type names in consumer discretionary have held up pretty well this year. And that fits Dick's really well. So I want to be bullish on there. And I'll use an option trade basically to play that out. Very similar to what Mike laid out, where I'm going to buy a call spread, play that to the upside, finance that by selling a put. And if you look here, I basically only outlay a quarter, right? So I don't really get hit into owning the stock or put to the stock down until the 135 level. And this is looking out to October expiration. And I get to participate basically above 145 to 155 here. So $10 to the upside. I don't outlay a whole lot. I do would lose a quarter if the stock sort of sits still. But I'm willing to risk that and get some more upside participation in this stock at you know multiples basically 11 
times, 12 times forward P.E. here. I think it's still got some room to run to the upside if the rest of the stock market can sort of kind of hang in here on this bumpy road we've seen over the last couple of weeks. OK, so, Mike, now it's your turn to give us your take on Brian's trade here for Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah, well, he already sort of talked about the structure. Actually, he says, you know, he'd lose a quarter on a standstill basis. It's interesting because after the event comes out, we typically see some people will call it a vol suck or other people will call it a vol crush. Basically, what's happening is that the options premia are going to drop uh, after the event has come and gone. And when that does, actually, you're not likely to see a, a loss on a standstill basis because those wing options are going to uh, get hit as hard or harder than the option that you own because you're you're basically net short options here. So your your short vol is is one way that an options trader might might say that. And the interesting thing about Dix compared to some of these other retail, just looking at the fundamentals, is that they actually haven't seen top line uh, pressure that is equivalent to some of the other stores, including the one that I was just talking about, Kohl's. This has actually had pretty good year on year revenue growth, and I think uh, that's part of what Brian was speaking to that the nature of their business. Uh, in some ways, it seems like consumer discretionary, but in many ways, uh, given basically what we're talking about, what people are buying, buying sports equipment for their kids and stuff, it's not that discretionary. I think a lot of people are looking at these things as kind of necessities, and they have a higher margin, uh, which is kind of an attractive element as well. It's funny, Mike, you bring up a point that uh, Dick's chairman, executive chairman, Ed Stack, tells me all the time. This is not discretionary. Your kids grow. You can't force them to squeeze their foot into a cleat from last year. <laughs> Carter, uh, what's your final word on these two names, Dick's Sporting Goods and Coles? Sure. Again, we, we know that um, placing a bet, if you will, before an earnings uh, event is something that is both prospectively very profitable as well as very dangerous. Uh, we tried to outline the opportunities here. Again, for me, Dix is a strong stock that, to my eye, looks set up to get stronger. And the uh, Kohl's is a very weak stock that has the early suggestion of a bottoming out formation. The divergence when you place the two on the same chart there is pretty stark as well. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. And for everything Options Action, you want to make sure to check out our website and the newsletter. There's more Options Action, though, after this. Tonight... Be a first mover in second tier tech. They may not be shouldering the markets, but there's still money to be made in Intuit and Salesforce, both slated to report results next week. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. While everyone's worried about the Magnificent Seven, there's still money to be made in the ordinary others, like death and taxes. Mike, you're still seeing some certainty in Intuit, and it's reporting this week. What are you seeing? Yeah, so Intuit, this is another holding of ours. Interesting situation here in Intuit, and I suppose, you know, you've got two stories really going on. If you were just taking a look at the stock's performance year-to-date, you'd probably say, well, it's been pretty positive, up more than 28% year-to-date up more than 35% off the uh, intra-year lows, so some good performance there. But it's still probably 30% off of its all-time highs. 
Now, the interesting thing here, this is a company that's trading about 34 times earnings, and whether that is expensive or cheap depends a lot on how they manage to deliver uh, over the course of the coming, you know, call it 12 to 18 months. And why is that? Because this is a company that has essentially doubled uh, their EPS over the course of the last two years. And if you can keep up that kind of growth rate, um, then it definitely justifies a turn of 34 times. The thing is that most of the street is expecting them to hit margins of about 28%. And those are margins that the company has not managed to achieve at any point over the course of the last 10 years. So there is good growth here on the top line. There's even better growth on EPS. The street is looking for some big numbers. What is interesting to me is that the options market is not implying uh, a very big move off of earnings, which given the volatility we've seen in the market this week and the, and the preceding week, given the fact that this is a higher multiple name, uh, I think that that sets up an opportunity for us. It's implying only about a four or four and a half percent move. I was looking out to uh, October. Now, a quick thing to, to think about here with Intuit too, it's, it's dollar expensive stock. I was looking at the 500, 550 call spread. You could spend about $14.95 to buy that call spread. That seems like a lot, but then relate that to the nearly $500 share price, and you recognize that's about 3% of the current stock price. And that's really the idea here. You know, the options market applying a move of a little over 4%. I'm risking less than that to make a bullish bet in the event that, they, that this thing can really uh, catch some momentum and that they deliver on the street's expectations and start delivering the kind of uh, EPS growth and margins that a lot of people are expecting. Carter, when we look at at least the year-to-day chart of Intuit, it looks like the trend line is to the right, but you're the chart master. So what do you see? <laughs> oh, I don't think that we have Apologies. Carter's no, audio. I'm here. Sorry. Oh, okay. you know, I, I, hit my mute, I hit my mute button. <laughs> <laughs> so here okay. we go. Three identical charts. Let's fire them away. They're weekly bar charts. The first, no lines, no drawings, no judgments. Let's put some in. What do we have? We have in the second iteration a well-defined up and to the right over the past um, sort of year. And guess what? We're only in the middle of the channel. Another way to draw the lines, of course, is as follows. Converging trend lines. We've just broken out of the apex of that formation. Uh, I like it going into earnings. All right, Brian, Salesforce is also having a nice run year to date. And you're looking to keep your head in this cloud. So how are you going to do this one? What's the trade? Yeah, Salesforce, you think of it as more of a tech kind of name, maybe similar, kind of like Intuit a little bit. Um, but actually, it sits in the top 50 weightings in large cap value, and it has sort of a value play to the tech side of things. And that kind of play has actually worked out really well, especially in the mega cap type value names. And so I want to continue to play this to the upside. It's obviously had a significant pullback in the last month, about 10%. We got news that the CEO was also selling 3 million shares or so of stock. So that's a little concerning that he's doing that ahead of basically earnings coming up. And so I'm a little nervous, but we actually added to the stock because I think it's pulled back enough where it's at a level that I'm willing to add. But one way to do it as a retail trader, so to speak, is to maybe use a call spread on this sort of pullback in the stock in order to get a little additional exposure to the upside. And I'm trying not to risk a whole lot here. I'm looking out, it's a weekly option in September. So just after Labor Day, this would play through the earnings play here, buying the 200 strike call, selling a 220 strike call. Again, very similar to like Mike's play, basically 10% wide uh, call spread here. But I'm only outlaying eight and a quarter, and this, the, the call spread is already a little bit in the money here. So I only need it to get to that 208.40 level or so to break even. 
And then I have upside all the way up to 220, which would be a pretty significant move in the next couple of weeks. So I'm willing to get called away there. And, and, you know, basically just trying to risk a little, add a little to my position here because I think valuations have backed off. The stock has backed off significantly from its high, and it might be a time to add. Hmm. Mike, what's your take here? Uh, you know, valuation here, again, kind of an interesting thing because, uh, you know, the street's looking for as much as nine bucks. If you take a look at the full year ending January of 25, uh, that's $9 a share would actually have this thing trading around 22 times earnings. The tricky bit with Salesforce, and there's a couple companies like this, is that a lot of the upside ends up being diluted by employee stock compensation. And that has certainly been the case in Salesforce. But I will tell you that if you start getting, you know, basically bottom line delivered to shareholders and not just to those on the inside, uh, then that actually would represent an interesting value. But I, too, the fact that uh, Benioff or others might be selling shares going into the print is a little bit worrisome. And that actually would be the reason to use an options trade like the one that Brian has laid out to make your bullish bet. Hmm. Carter, what do you see in the charts? I like it. Let's do it again here. Three identical charts. They're weekly bar charts. So the first you'll see, uh, there are no lines, uh, no conclusions. And my hunch is that you're going to see a resolution to the upside. Let's put some in. The first set of lines, we know we've been in a well-defined ascending channel. And this sell-off leaves us to the penny at the lower band. It also leaves us, third and final chart, to the penny at the 150-day moving average. I think this is weakness to take advantage of, a sell-off that is an opportunity. Okay, well, up next, still chasing deer, shares dropping after earnings this morning. So how should you manage your position? We're bringing you a trade update. That's next. Options action is back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Time for a trade update. Last week, Mike laid out a way to play deer ahead of earnings. The company posted a beat on the top and bottom line this morning, but shares were caught in the headlights, dropping more than 5% today. So, Mike, how are you handling it? Uh, yeah, we, so we own the stock, unlike the trade that we highlighted, which is unfortunate because the option trade, which essentially lost uh, all of its value, lost, lost less than the stock did. Uh, so for those who are in the options trade, um, you know, I don't think there is a whole lot to do here. That call spread is worth about 60 cents. Um, but the stock obviously has fallen quite sharply. And, you know, there was some measure of support, I thought, around those, you know, late June, early uh, July levels, those lows. But it looks like we might be violating that. Uh, my thinking on the long equity position that we hold, which is a long term winner, but uh, I'll admit that we are considering pairing that position at this point. Hmm. Okay. Carter, thoughts on deer as you look at the chart? And obviously, we see the downward move today, but longer term, what does it look like? Right. So, so this big heavy volume drop and gap was supposed to be a heavy volume upthrust and breakout, hmm. which is to say, if your premise, whether it's fundamental or technical, whatever, is for an event to have a conclusion and it's the exact opposite, walk away. First loss, best loss. This is a very bad action. Of the 500 stocks in the S&P, this was number 499 today. Uh, not good. Yeah, that's rough uh, if you're holding it long, of course. Brian, what are you thinking about trade or about deer for the trade? Yeah, it's in a weird spot. It's not quite at the point where I consider it value. We don't own it for our value portfolio for clients, and it's not quite growth. So it's sort of an in-between, and you miss some numbers here, and you see how hard the stock gets hit. So I kind of agree with Carter. Kind of walk away Let's see if this thing falls a little further before we can pick up some decent value on this stock. Fair enough. Well, coming up next, your questions and the final call.
Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take some questions. So our first fan asks, NVIDIA is at the cusp of a sharp move. How best to play it considering high options premiums? Brian, this one's for you. Yeah, I mean, NVIDIA, AMAT, AMD are really our top three kind of NASDAQ techie kind of names that fall in our top 20 of that tech sector name. So I still like the name, even though it's been pretty whippy. It's obviously at near, you know, near highs or whatnot. But one play that's worked really well for the semiconductors heading into earnings is buying a slightly downside put spread. So I buy a slate out of the money put. I finance that, maybe sell a 10% out of the money put against it. I pay a little premium. I get some downside protection, and I won't be called away if the earnings are terrific and it blows it out to the upside. And I can that still stay long with stuff. A wild move year today for NVIDIA, up almost 200%. Well, our next fan has a question about Mike's TLT trade. This was from last week. Saying, quote, are you guys still in the $100 December 15 call? So uh, I actually have the Jan Park calls myself. I know we talked about the December expiration. One of the things I had done when it took that small bump up to about 97 and change was I actually sold short dated the ones that expired today, as a matter of fact, the 97 and a half calls to help sort of offset the relatively minimal decay. I will say that I'm probably going to roll that call strike down and get into another calendar spread. OK, our last fan has a question for Carter. What's up with Pfizer? Carter. Well, it's nothing but down. Uh, so uh, a couple things. Pfizer uh, traditionally was the big heavy, uh, the biggest market cap of, of course, Lilly, Merck, even J&J. And now it's the dog. It's 200 billion versus Lilly over 500. And so it's become a value play or a value trap. Its dividend yield is almost 5%. My hunch is to be contrarian. It is hated and to own it. Uh, but so far, that is not working. It's nothing but down and to the right. The stock, interestingly, right now is the same price it was in 1998. Wow, that's pretty surprising. It is now time for the final call. Carter, you get to start. Uh, sell-offs, dips, corrections of 5% are nothing. Presumptively, there's more downside. Sell SPY. Okay, Brian, you're up. Uh, there might be more selling in the general market, but Dix is a place to be. The sporting goods, buying call spread, selling a downside put. I think it's far the downside where I'm not risking a ton. And Mike, close us out. Call spread risk reversals in Kohl's going into earnings. Well, that does it for Options Action. A CNBC special taking stock starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. All opinions expressed by the Options Action participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Options Action participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Options Action Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Options Action Disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.